Hello, I'm Greg. Let's have an inappropriate conversation about Minding Your P's and Q's, Part 4. This is the fourth almost annual, really not quite annual, Points and Questions show, an opportunity for me to come along and respond to feedback or share comments that I've received during the past year. I'm also going to be careful with it this time. I've gone through the comment folder that I've stored, things that I've probably responded to almost in every case directly via email if I receive the feedback via email, and I've kind of whittled it down to just the ones that I really wanted to share. So I kind of separated out the ones that I felt like I'd already spoken my piece personally to people and the ones that would be good for a show like this. Part of the reason is that I wanted to focus on maybe one or two particular pieces of feedback directly. And the other reason is I feel like it's probably important for me to demonstrate that I can do a short show. Inappropriate conversations as a rule has never been a three and a half hour affair. It's unlikely that it will be again, and certainly not any time soon. I mentioned directly the most recent Inappropriate Conversations episode, being one where I quote at length from Scripture in uh, an episode called Opening the Scriptures. But if the length was intimidating, remember that that's an episode where the first 12 to 15 minutes and the last 12 to 15 minutes can give you both the too-long-didn't-read version of the topic and the different drummer segment. There is a way of doing that very long episode in roughly half an hour. I'm tempted to start with the most recent feedback to deal with the response that I did get to that show, but instead I'm going to do what I think I've tended to do in the past, and that's go all the way back to the starting point for this and address things chronologically. So I want to begin with last Christmas. I sent, and I don't really know why I chose the names that I did, because I'm not that good at the Christmas card, the traditional filling out of Christmas cards. is not a strength of mine. But I did go to the uh, Inappropriate Conversations email address, which is ic underscore greg at hotmail.com, and sort of grabbed some of the email addresses of people that I'd interacted with over what had that point been the past year, and sent Christmas greetings via email. It just seemed like a more natural way, with what you might describe as virtual friends, to send a more virtual Christmas greeting. In some cases, it was simple and generic, and in other cases, it was really direct. And the one that I want to share was sent to a friend of mine, an American, who a couple of years ago was living in South Korea, uh, teaching English as a second language, among other things. And I had written to Sydney a Just a Merry Christmas in part because, although a few years back I had been her secret Santa on Simply Syndicated through their website at www.simplysyndicated.com, I knew this year that I wouldn't be, but I also wanted to you know, kind of maintain that connection of saying, hey, you know, over the years, we've interacted with each other. It was a simple message. It said, hey, Sydney, I won't be your Simply Syndicated Santa this year, but I wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas all the same. Have very happy holidays, Greg. Because... Back then, in particular, but still true today, if I participate in the Simply Syndicated Secret Santa program, I'm one of the ones who says that I'm more than happy to include overseas giving. The people who coordinate the Secret Santa process 
always are at risk to facing a challenge that there's going to be times when you don't have an even number of people living on one continent participating in this particular online Christmas celebration by sharing Christmas lists somewhat anonymously, getting a name chosen for you, and then sending that person something from their list through kind of this network, for want of a better word, of people who've met online, perhaps even through an online forum, in this case, through an online forum. So I felt like the one thing I could do to help out, because I didn't have to worry necessarily about the cost difference of shipping overseas, was to volunteer to be one of the people who was more than willing to ship overseas. And so about half the time over the many years, my secret Santa has been domestic, America to America, or North America to North America. But I've also been the secret Santa for people in Australia, and in this case, South Korea. Well, I got feedback from Sydney, and she wrote me back, and you know, just basically thanking me for the letter, thanking me for the Christmas. Here's how it read. I've never said it before, but I love your podcast so much. It restores my faith in humanity and religion. I am honored to be your simply syndicated Santa this year. Sadly, I'm afraid you may get your gift a little late this year, but I'm wanting to make sure that I get you something special to go with the DVDs. Merry Christmas and all the best to you and your family. I look forward to seeing your posts as you head to England this year. Sydney. Well, this is interesting to me. I didn't know that Sydney had drawn me or had been drawn for me as my secret Santa. So in some ways, that decision to reach out to her was completely random. But in other ways, it gave me the ability, because she wrote back, to reply to her reply and say, hey, don't worry about being on time. First, I'm delighted that you're my secret Santa. And second, you know, at my age, with kids who are out of the house, in college, that sort of thing, it wasn't like I absolutely needed to have something under the tree on that particular day. So it, it gave me the ability, by reaching out to wish her a Merry Christmas, to put her at ease about something that might have been worrying her when it comes to the way we typically do the Secret Santa thing through Simply Syndicated. So that's one of those small world type things. Actually, in many ways, ironically, because um, Sydney would be an example of a big world type thing. I mean, I first met her online when she was in Korea. But on the other hand, what is it that led me to pick her name out of the hat? I didn't necessarily send an email to everyone I'd ever been a simply syndicated Secret Santa before. Hard to say that fast. I chose Sydney's name, and I think maybe there's, well, as a Christian, I believe maybe there's more to it than just that. And perhaps I should take some comfort in the fact that in a, for someone who doesn't necessarily find Christians to be all that accepting and uh, patient with her, that if I can do anything to even, to a small degree, restore her faith in religion, and humanity seems like a big ask, but religion, hey, I'll take it. It was around the same time, one of the other persons that I wrote to to wish a, a Merry Christmas to was Matt from Connecticut. And uh, unrelated necessarily to that Christmas wish, I did get an email from him a couple of weeks later. It went like this. I just listened to your most recent Walk the Earth and Inappropriate Conversations episodes about the roles of women in the church. This was the first time that I actually took the same topic and addressed uh, gender equality questions from both the Walk the Earth perspective and the Inappropriate Conversations perspective. And I think that went pretty well. Matt went on to say, I wanted to share a little bit with you about the congregation that my family joined just about a year ago. We joined All Souls Universal Unitarian Church because it was the one place that would allow our entire family to go together and no one feel uncomfortable. My wife tends 
more towards the more traditional views of Christianity, having been brought up in one or two flavors of it as a child. My views are more liberal and less defined by the idea of a God in the Christian sense of the world. I tend more towards a belief in a power, but not necessarily God. Anyway, we love it, and have started exploring membership with that church. But to tie it to your gender role episodes, all the ministers, head, associate, intern, are all women. So women have a very prominent role in my church. Anyway, with you being so open in the sharing of your journey, I wanted to share a bit of mine. Take care, and I look forward to many more episodes of Inappropriate Conversations slash Walk the Earth. That coming from uh, Matt from Connecticut. And I always enjoy interacting with Matt. Matt, again, the tie-out to Sydney, another one of the people who in years past was the secret Santa for me. So if anyone from Simply Syndicated ever wondered whether just something as simple as the secret Santa process uh, carried on beyond just that one moment in time each year, I think I'm perhaps walking proof that it is. I've got, I've got some documentary evidence to say that it is. One of the real reasons, though, that I wanted to limit the scope of the feedback that I addressed and really focus in this time on just a few wasn't just to try to keep the, the episode more under control from a length perspective. It was really so that I could give appropriate amount of time to one particular letter that I got from Chris in Australia. This is one uh, through email that came completely, uh, I was not prepared for it. Wasn't, I, was, I wasn't expecting it. I didn't have any social media heads up that it was coming. But I got his email at really the right time. Because we had just started with the church that we've now joined to explore small group participation. Uh, in the past, the previous church, for example, I was one of the leaders of what you might call the Sunday School Hour. And I still do. Uh, small group meetings from time to time with people who used to go to that church. We've all since moved off in our own separate ways. But this was the first time with this church that we'd ever participated in any sort of group fellowship meetings of sorts. All of us, in this case, reading a book and, and coming together to discuss it. And the book was about evangelism and outreach and interaction. And although I don't necessarily perceive what I do on either Inappropriate Conversations or Walk the Earth to be an evangelical exercise. I don't necessarily have a mission statement to convert people, for example. It is nevertheless a form of outreach, and that was confirmed for me in many ways by this letter from Chris. Here's what it says. Hi Greg, I've been listening to Inappropriate Conversations, and along with it Walk the Earth, for the past few months, mostly the recent podcast, but sporadically picking up the older ones from your library when I've run out of things to listen to and or when I've seen an, inter an interesting subject in the feed. The pretext of this email is twofold, I think. However, bear with me if the email becomes full of tangents and goes off in every which way. Firstly, I came across your podcast by way of the Simply Syndicated Network, although I can't tell you exactly how that came to be. My first experience of Simpson was the Atomic Trivia and then Tech It or Leave It, but I'm supposing that it was a movies you should see that alerted me to your podcast. And then it took a while for me to realize what Inappropriate Conversations was really about. Eventually, I joined the forums, but only lurked and hardly posted, and before I could become fully integrated there, it was taken down, much to my disappointment. The reality is, I think a lot of us were disappointed when that forum had to come down, but uh, as Richard Smith has explained to anyone who's kind of paid attention to Tech Support Rich, either his show or his his uh, website, yeah, there were good reasons, not the least of which was having to play an ongoing constant whack-a-mole game with spammers. 
Back to the letter, though. I only bring up the forums to highlight my second point, that however it was I came across your podcast, I found it encouraging. And as the time has passed, and I've heard more of them, how disappointed I am that I missed an opportunity to have some dialogue with you regularly on mostly spiritual matters on the forum. I elaborate with an almost biographical account of my spiritual journey, which would put just how much I've appreciated listening to your podcast. Let's cut it short and say simply that I'm an Australian and was raised in an almost ultra-conservative independent Baptist church. But since being married and having children, we have moved on, still attend a Baptist church, but have still been shaking off the indoctrination from my earlier years. Using terminology from your most recent podcast, I've wavered from levels 2 to 4 and back and forth over the past 14 years. What I find amazing is that when I've hit a point... A stumbling block, for instance. Something or someone has come up with a bit of guidance or a shove in the right direction. I'll stop there for a moment. He gives another example, and then also talks about stumbling across inappropriate conversations and walk the earth at just the right time. In fact, his summary is, To summarize, thanks for your podcast. I've always found it very encouraging to hear from a capital B believer that doesn't, for instance, hate gays and science, but can still hold a rock-solid faith in Jesus. This from Chris from Australia. He's referring, when he's talking about the most recent podcast, this would have been podcasts coming in the January-February time frame, as being podcasts related to M. Scott Peck and his theory from the different drum, in particular, about the stages of spiritual development. This notion of there being four stages. And to summarize at a very high level, he talks about the first stage being the somewhat immature selfishness of the child being dragged to church. Stage two being a fear-based belief in a uh, concept of behaving properly to go to heaven or the fear of hell and avoiding hell. Stage three being what we might call skepticism or even disbelief. And stage four, Peck describes as mysticism. It's to Peck, a coming back to a much more mature understanding of spirituality, having worked through the religion, the religiosity, and the anti-religion stages. I'd prefer to word it more this way, and it was Chris from Australia who, through this letter, sort of inspired me to think of it in these terms. Stage one could almost be described as being all about me, whether it's the child being dragged to church or or causing a fuss, or making it all about me, in this case, we see adults behaving the same way. So in stage one, it's a disruptive, selfish influence. Stage two is, it's all about us. But I mean us in the sense of being us versus them. So you see this in language about the war on Christmas, for example. It's It could be us as all Christians, or at least all stage two Christians, perceiving the entire world to be an enemy. It could be one denomination or congregation versus not just non-Christians, but other different denominations and congregations. Or I've seen it happen even inside a congregation where some portion of a congregation takes an us-versus-them attitude, even toward others with whom they are supposed to be engaging in active fellowship. So stage two, this fear-based response that Peck noted in his book, being really, it's all about us, which in some ways just takes the pure immature selfishness of it's all about me up a level to it's all about us, but in theory it's the same thing. The response you get to this when you get to stage three, the reaction that sort of rejects the hypocrisy of many aspects of organized religion could perhaps be described as it's all about nothing. 
I don't believe in fill in the blank. It could be I don't believe in God anymore or I don't believe in the organized church. It's all about nothing. I would say then that it's only when you get to stage four that you're really talking about this notion of it's all about you. Now, we can view that in two different ways. We can view it's all about you as being a reference to what Jesus referred to as the first great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind. The you in this case being God Almighty. Or we could look at you as being the second of what Jesus called the great commandments. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I would argue, and Peck may or may not agree with me, but I could argue that a stage four believer is probably turning their thoughts away from it's all about me or it's all about us or it's all about nothing to it's all about you. But even then, if I say it's a capital Y-U, I'm actually kind of referring to both concepts simultaneously, as was Jesus of Nazareth in his sermons and parables. It's all about you being both a believer turning their focus toward God, and because of that, in many ways, simultaneously turning their focus toward the needs of others. So that would be the stages of spiritual development. In just a few days after receiving that, I did write back to Chris. I thanked him for sharing that and kind of noted that, you know, as the internet makes the world smaller, we've kind of gone from looking in on others from across the globe to truly interacting. There was a point before the rampant use of satellite technology that we weren't even really doing that good of a job of looking in on others across the globe. But for the years when I was growing up, say I was paying attention maybe to television news more closely for the first time in the 1970s, you were getting those sort of glimpses into what was happening around the world, sort of a live look-in. But now we're really, even if it's in indirect ways, but in a lot of times it's in very direct ways, actively interacting with people across the globe. Sometimes it's an online forum, like the one that Chris mentioned in his letter. Sometimes it's more of a chat room. But in either way, it's, it's no, there's no doubt that, to me, I've seen examples of constructive interplay, of real conversation taking place. I told him that that very night, the night that I wrote him back, that we were going to be attending a small group meeting with the new church. And that's a first. Here's what I said. We've avoided Sunday school in our new church hunts so far. This was an evening meeting, though, but it's still very much like an adult class. The focus will be on evangelism, and I've been giving it some thought and preparation. I tend to say that I prefer doing any face-sharing with Christians, and I've recently come to think of that as reaching out to the stage two believers. I sometimes wonder if that focus is effective. Some legalistic people can never be reached, and it often feels futile. On the other hand, I take encouragement that we all have those moments that push us in and out of stages like two and three and four. And if I can communicate my story into that drift, then that might be the role that I've been somewhat uniquely equipped to play. I thanked him for sharing his perspective, and I'm happy to share his perspective now as roughly the centerpiece to this year's Points and Questions show. Dan Carlin, Common Sense. I'm sorry, folks. I know it's a little bit utopian, but, you know, you wonder if these people can't have a statesmanship moment now. When could they have one? I mean, the kind of people we have in D.C. now representing us from both parties would fight during World War II. Fiercely independent. It's common sense. 
I mean, there is no moment that is so dire and so important and so threatening to our children's future that we won't suspend this sort of politics for? Slapping around the ideas until they're black and blue. Dan Carlin, Common Sense. In last year's, the third Point P's and Q's episode, I shared what was essentially a somewhat anonymous piece of communication I got through the Wendy Davis campaign in Texas, and this year's is even more random. From an Ohio senator called Sherrod Brown, I got this piece of feedback to the Inappropriate Conversations email address. Thank you for getting in touch with me regarding your views. My constituents' opinions are very important to me, and I appreciate knowing where you stand on the important issues facing our country. Once I am able to further review your inquiry, I will get back to you regarding my thoughts on the matter. Thank you again for being in touch with me. Sincerely, Senator Sherrod Brown. I received this email in August of this year. More than two months have passed, and apparently the senator is still reviewing my inquiry because I don't have any idea what he's talking about. (laughs) I don't recall in any way directly. I know I didn't directly reach out to share any of my views with the senator. However, I may have spoken up, perhaps through a survey of sorts, on maybe a a feedback tool for net neutrality or something along those lines. I'm sure it was something like that. But it's interesting to just randomly get an email saying, thank you for contacting my office, when in the purest, most direct sense of the word, I never contacted the senator's office. Probably wouldn't have. Interesting. The last piece of feedback I want to share is from the most recent show, Inappropriate Conversations 150. In that show, at the end of the show, I named Nicole Villacrez from the Greetings from Nowhere podcast as a different drummer. It's one of the reasons why I want to re-encourage anyone intimidated by the length of the show to at least give the first few minutes and the last few minutes a try, because I think that just the introductory section and the different drummer alone could be cobbled together to make a shorter and still meaningful show. Here's the response that I got from Nicole, who wasn't surprised because, as I mentioned on the podcast, I talked to her about it in advance. I was truly and deeply blessed by the different drummer segment and by the podcast as a whole. I can't tell you how encouraging it is to see yourself through someone else's eyes. Thank you so very much. My mom also listened to the segment and was very proud. That was an amazing podcast that I will listen to again. There was so much spiritual meat You are truly a pastor to many of us who don't attend regular church. Thank you so much for giving of yourself, your heart, and your mind. Talk about loving your neighbor as you love yourself. You also exemplify Christ in such a beautiful way. I can't wait to meet you and your wife in Vegas. Only 11 months. Well, sheesh. As I may have mentioned previously on the show, not just this year, but perhaps in years past, I encountered Nicole through Greetings from Nowhere, and I heard about Greetings from Nowhere through a listener of Inappropriate Conversations. And in the very first show that I listened to, the one where he had recommended to Nicole that she try out Inappropriate Conversations, and she talked about the experience of her first listen, in that show, Nicole shared that because of a variety of factors, she was no longer actively and regularly attending church. And I was At that first listen, as I remember back just a few years, initially kind of concerned that it's kind of important in many ways for people to surround themselves, for, let me put it this way, for Christian believers to surround themselves with some sort of congregation. And traditionally, that's done by going to church on Sunday or to 
services in the middle of the week or to small group or to choir practice or some other way of interacting with other people who literally, in this case, share the faith. It never would have occurred to me that it was possible that from that one listen, I could be coming along years later as someone with whom a somewhat online, perhaps, congregation of sorts is forming, where people who do seek spiritual interaction, uh, encouragement, challenge, perhaps even, can find it online and that there's a role that I might play there. It's not me alone. John Shore is another person that I know Nicole takes spiritual encouragement with and actually has interacted with via social media, Twitter perhaps in this case. And actually John Shore has a link that I shared at the base of the comments to the episode 150 of Opening the Scriptures. That can be found at uh, www.inappropriateconversations.org. That's where you can find all the oldest shows of both Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth. And it was there in episode 150 that I put a link to John Shore. This also seems like a good time, since I'm talking about ways to interact with the show, to cover some of the other ways that you can do that. On Twitter, I am at IC underscore Greg. The podcast Inappropriate Conversations has a Facebook page that's listed as a cause. Walk the Earth also has a Facebook page. Lately, I've been putting posts, little clips of the first few episodes of the original Inappropriate Conversations shows out on SoundCloud. I can be found there at SoundCloud as at IC underscore Greg. And in addition to a few other things I may post on my SoundCloud wall, a lot of it are going, starting with episode one, through so far somewhere in the 30s, clips of the past episodes of Inappropriate Conversations. The other thing that I try to do with each episode, including these ones that are more of a question-and-answer comment-type show, are to include a different drummer. I've done that every single time, including places where the different drummer had no conceivable relationship to the topic. This week, no exception. Our different drummer is Michael J. Fox. There's a level at which it seemed a little bit wrong to me a few years ago to cite Tracy Pollan as a different drummer, but not mention uh, directly her husband, actor Michael J. Fox, at the same time. After all, if I hadn't started watching Family Ties from its very first season all those years ago and loved the show, probably still wouldn't have been watching at the beginning of the fourth season and probably would have never even seen Tracy Pollan, known her as anything other than a name, because it was there that I first saw her as an actress on my television screen, and it's also the role that she performed as a guest star on Family Ties where she first met Michael J. Fox. But I cover all that in a much earlier episode uh, called Originating Moments and Relationships. In May of 2011, that was episode number 57. It does tie out to some things that have happened just here in the last year of Inappropriate Conversations, because I've got some people in my family who think that the Originating Moments episode was a better telling of the uh, the way I met my wife and the way we formed our ongoing partnership. I'll let others decide that. I mention it now just because it's... Um, more than three years ago now, that I named Tracy Pollan as a different drummer. I'm just now getting around to Michael J. Fox. Now, part of the reason is that I have esteem for both of them as performers, and both of them have, in many ways, been an influence on my life, if only as a fan of television and movie comedy, 
all of these years. But the reality is that Pollen was the right choice for that particular show, and it's only now, coming back later as sort of a matter of housekeeping, that I'm closing the loop and naming Michael J. Fox. The first time I think I named a husband and wife combination as different drummers together, and one of the very few times I've named more than just an individual, was just this year. Episode 146, The Idea of Christ, I named both Oswald and Gertrude Chambers together as the different drummer, and in that different drummer segment, I think I do a pretty thorough job of explaining why. If you eliminate rock and roll groups, uh, the Residents, for example, or Indigo Girls, for the most part, the rest of these have been individual citations, and it occurs to me now that if I'd realized I was going to come along later and name both Mr. and Mrs. Chambers together in that different drummer segment, I probably could have named both Tracy Pollan and Michael J. Fox together as well. But all in all, I'm glad I didn't. Michael J. Fox probably needs no introduction. He's a pretty famous Canadian and later American actor. He's done some writing, some producing as well, and he's been an advocate for the cause of finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. Get to that in just a minute, for anybody who really doesn't know. Michael J. Fox's roles have included Marty McFly from the Back to the Future trilogy, Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties, for which he won three Emmy Awards and a Golden Globe, and Mike Flaherty on Spin City. In full disclosure, I never really watched Spin City, and I haven't seen any episodes of the television work that Michael J. Fox has done recently. His guest appearances on shows like The Good Wife have missed me because I've missed watching The Good Wife. I sort of took a pass on that. He also has done guest appearances on Rescue Me, Boston Legal, and Scrubs, none of which I can recall right off the top of my head. Continuing to quote in this case from Wikipedia, though, says this... Fox was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 1991 and disclosed his condition to the public in 1998. Fox semi-retired from acting in 2000 as the symptoms of his disease worsened. He has since become an advocate for research toward finding a cure. He created the Michael J. Fox Foundation, and on March 5, 2010, Sweden's uh, Karolinska Institute gave him an honorary doctorate for his work in advocating for a cure to Parkinson's disease. Pretty much... Since 2001, his acting work has either been voiceover in animated films like Stuart Little or short, targeted cameo appearances in some of the television programs that I mentioned a moment ago. One of the things I want to focus on in naming Fox a different drummer is the dignity with which he has handled his disease and, in some cases, the unfair and unscrupulous attacks that he's been placed under by certain right-wing columnists and right-wing... you know, radio talk show type folks, because Fox is advocating for, in some cases, the perceived liberal cause of raising money to find a cure for disease. And also at times, he has participated in political advertisement as well. And, you know, there's nothing quite like lending your celebrity voice to an opponent to bring out the knives from everybody else. But reality is, the accusations that Fox received from Rush Limbaugh, among others, that he was capitalizing on his illness, playing up his symptoms, fly in the face of the idea that he went from knowing he had this illness in 1991 to not even disclosing it to the public until seven years later. It's that sense of trying to maintain... Well, you go through these stages where you realize you have a problem, it's personal, it's a good idea to keep it secret because it could impact your work, and then hitting the point where it becomes 
obvious enough that it becomes necessary to tell the public about it. And that was kind of the journey that Michael J. Fox took between 1991 and 1998. The other thing that happens, interestingly, is that journey between being somebody who is out about your ailment to actually becoming an advocate for others who are suffering under similar circumstances. And that's the other part of the journey that Fox, that Fox took. So when I'm doing an inappropriate conversation show, and I'm looking for inspiration, Michael J. Fox would not have been the first person I would have thought of. But in many ways, I've talked about this over the past maybe year and a half, wrestling with this notion I've got that as a Christian, it's important that I not even acknowledge any line that might be drawn between believer and non-believer, between gay and straight, between, in many ways, where I struggle the most is trying not to acknowledge, at least not too much, the distance between liberal and conservative or Republican and Democrat, or just sort of ignoring all those. Trying perhaps on some level to be the same kind of person I was in high school, where I kind of didn't acknowledge cliques and sort of moved somewhat freely between them, never being deeply embedded in, for the most part, any of them, because I tried not to be the person who was the other. So you get into that situation where once you name yourself one thing, it calls attention to what you're not, and, and you draw sort of those nice. Like Michael J. Fox doing political advertisement for a Democratic candidate brings out all the vile and vitriol, and in some cases, hatred from people on the Republican side of the ledger. I've worked hard to ignore the line, but it, it's occurred to me over the past year that if I'm somebody who pretends that I can move freely both in a circle of friends who have a social justice outlook and are either either are gay or lesbian or allies of those who are and still move very freely inside a variety of Christian religious circles, that that's only true if I walk the walk. So when Nicole Villacrest talks about it's only going to be a few more months before we actually get to meet face-to-face because my wife and I have plans to go to a Pride 48 event and see some of these podcasts like Greetings from Nowhere live and in person, that face-to-face encounter is going to happen because I've made a commitment to say it's just a bunch of talk about feeling like I can move freely in both circles, people who are in favor of equality for gay and lesbian people and people who are vitriolically opposed. It only works if I walk in both circles and until I've actually, for example, gone to a Pride event. Some of this is strictly hypothetical. So I'll be stripping the hypothetical nature of some of the things that I've been wrestling with in my head away over the course of the next year. And it just sort of reminds me of Michael J. Fox's journey from having Parkinson's disease and not wanting anybody to know to later deciding that he needed to let people know and wanted to make that disclosure on his own terms to later being an advocate for others who have had to make the same journey that he's made or will in the future have to make that same journey that he's made in dealing with what can be a debilitating and fatal ailment. Michael J. Fox is still with us today, still doing cameo appearances, but for me, when I think of him as an actor, I'm always going to be mentally going back to the 80s. It's the Family Ties television program, really, more than anything else. I don't have recollection of his appearances on The Love Boat or Lou Grant. I do remember his appearance on Night Court. It was, it was good and it was memorable. But in addition to the television work, I sometimes get surprised when I look back over his resume, Back to the Future being, of course, the obvious choice, that and its two sequels, 
but also his supporting role in the American president as Lewis, the, uh, the aide, memorable, memorable on its own right. This year for Halloween, I've recorded, through the DVR, a movie called Mars Attacks from the mid-90s that I've never seen before. Part of the reason I've recorded it to watch this time, finally to watch this time, is because Michael J. Fox is in the cast. Once again, not in a starring role, but in a supporting role. And to be honest, there's something about having a different drummer who has done such a good job either within ensembles or in a supporting role that quite appeals to me. I've always tried to be the kind of person who would more likely than not be described as a relief pitcher rather than a starter, or as a supporting actor rather than a lead. If you'd like to put some dialogue into this inappropriate conversation yourself, I can be reached at icy underscore greg at hotmail.com. Almost all the feedback that I shared today, I received through that venue. And who knows, maybe over the course of the next year, I'll be prepared to do another Minding Your P's and Q's episode. Thanks for listening.